gone was the vine, eh? Yes, all right. We're going to get started soon. And um, some of the things that we are going to do is we're going to give a few giveaways. And then just one reminder, the feedback forms for the morning tea only ladies. So there will be feedback forms. If, if you're going to just stay in the morning eh, and finish lunch, would you please complete a feedback form for us as well? It really helps us with planning. Yep. So if there are any of those, I think let's get that going before the fun starts. Right, any of you that are just here for the morning? Hands up if you're just here for the morning. One, two, three. There's three over there. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up there. And then there are some there. Right. Okay, one there. Over there, Helen, on the... Yep, just, so just keep your hand up until you find it. Good. Okay, while they're doing that, I'm just going to quickly um, tell you before we uh, give out the, the free gifts, we've had some amazing response from um, the Rotatuna area, that whole um, uh, shopping centre there. And I'll just quickly talk to you about it. We've got care vets just came out and Zelda went to them and they were just generous beyond measure. So we've got lovely things for pets. We have got things for... <laughs> Paper Plus, just the lady just gave us some stuff. We've got from Subway Rotatuna, lots and lots of vouchers. Impresso just gave us some vouchers for coffees. We've got Kmart vouchers. We've got, yeah, <laughs> we've got complimentary tickets from Lido that gave that to us. We've got a more than flowers, also in Rotatuna, a big voucher that they gave us. Style, $70 voucher for shampoo and cut and whatever, whatever. And I might, physique, they gave us something. And um, so I might have forgotten a few, but this is just absolutely generous from them. So if you are in that area, would you please just pop in and say, listen, we were at the ladies' day on Saturday, and thank you so much, and then support these people because... Just about all of them, as Elder said, if we had come earlier, um, they would just give us lots and lots more. New World um, said next time they will have lots of stuff for us. So it's just lovely. All right. First one. Keep going. Let's see. Okay. I'll have my runners going. Okay. Die Hint. There we go. There we go. Okay. Next one. Lots of dots. Okay. Next one. Lizelle Wisthazen. Oh, yay. Next one. Becky Beer. Next one. Dahlia. Dahlia. Deja. Deja. Oh, there we go. Jan, you stop us when you think we've had enough because there's so many. <laughs> okay. Okay. Megan Van Zale. Van Zale. <laughs> Did she say? Okay. Cherie Langley. 
Carolyn Wright. <laughs> she's really yeah, she's really good at this. <laughs> We've got so many, so we just keep going. You just do this, Jan. Hi. Leanne Bellamy. Hey, Leanne. Okay, shall we get one, a few big ones, two subway vouchers? How about vouchers? There we go. Um, Odette Potrider. Oh, Odette. Subway for you. <laughs> and which one? Pam Wilson. There we go. Okay, we keep going. Okay. <laughs> Maria Burr. Yes. Impressive voucher. Okay. Keep going. All right. We keep going. Still going? Okay. Uh, Carleen Eves. Anything? Anything? What about these floral designs for somebody that's young? Glenda Blackburn. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Take one of those. Yep. Amy Grace Taylor. Corley Root. Congratulations, Jenny. Oh, have we got Jenny's gift? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cool, eh? <laughs> Wonderful. Did you enjoy morning tea? Good. Lunch is <laughs> coming. <laughs> Yay. So do we have, we've got the clip ready. So what? What we're going to do is we're going to play um, a song for you up on screen for you to sit back and enjoy. It is by uh, Lauren Daigle, How Can It Be? And the words are incredibly powerful. Our theme, say the word, they're incredibly powerful. So let the song minister to you, minister the truth to you. And then we're going to invite Esther back. So sit back and enjoy. Okay, maybe I'm going to sing it. (laughs) 
No, we're going to bring the team up. Are the team there? Beautiful singers. Wendy's up there, ready. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> and... Ladies, ah, Jesus.
only takes a moment to encounter you. Thank you that you encounter us, Lord God, loving Father. Thank you that you would encounter every person today. Help us to trust you more and more. Help us to trust you. Help us to stand upon your word, to hang upon your every word. Help us to put that key in to access all you have for each one of us. Thank you, loving Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you are continuing to speak to us. Thank you for what you have for each one of us right now. Again, we open our hearts to you, our ears. May we receive what you want to impart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's beautiful, isn't it? You can listen. You can have a look at that clip anytime you want. Lauren Daigle, how can it be? It's beautiful. The one with the words, okay? Look at the words. Great. Well, we are privileged yet again to have the beautiful Pastor Esther speak to us. So I know you're on the edge of your seats, aren't you? Expectant, you've gotten your notebooks ready, got your devices ready. Yes. So how about you give Esther a huge hand as she comes. amongst yourselves for a minute. I love that song that we were singing just a moment. It's um, very special to me because uh, when my husband and I got married, we thought, um, or I thought I was um, allowed to choose myself what I would walk down the aisle to. And of all the songs that I wanted to or loved growing up, some beautiful and great love songs um, that we all know and would choose for our weddings, that was the song that I chose, Just a Moment. 
Um, and I love that song because that song, I'm going to cry. Oh my gosh, typical women's conference. Ah. Oh. Um, but I just, I, I love that because our life can get so much and so full and that God just says, just if you just reserved a moment, just a moment, that's all. And for us, when we do that, that He comes rushing in like a flood and He meets us there, there in that moment that is certainly small enough to miss but it is big enough to change your world. And we cannot, we cannot miss those moments. We can't. We can't miss those divine appointments. And this morning, I pray that you would know and understand, even in the smallest measure, that God has set up this moment for you. This isn't because, this day isn't because Pastor Jan doesn't have anything else to do. It's not because she's like, I'm really bored. I just feel like I should just put something on. That's really not why this day is. But it is because she's convinced that today God has an appointment for you. An appointment for encounter. We've got to stop. We have to stop right now. You need to turn off the task list in your mind. Turn it off. It will be fine. The house will not burn down. The children will be fine. And just for this moment, would you allow Him to speak? Would you allow Him to come in to the places that perhaps you would Rather, it remained private. Those spaces that we protect because vulnerability is scary. And it is a strange but very human thing that we do. We're often, it's like a spider web. Can you see it? Is it gone? I think it's gone. It's a strange thing that we do do as humans is that we often push away the very thing that we need because it's scary. It's scary to say, God, I'm hurt. You know, have you ever been just like angry at God? What are you doing? What is this process all about? This morning, I was going to sing. I probably won't. Oh, she's so good. She's good. But this morning, I just really feel like God wants to minister to your hearts. So, uh, I do, what's what's your name? Wendy. Wendy. I love the name Wendy. Do you know before Peter Pan, the name Wendy didn't exist. true, isn't it? It's a beautiful name. Wendy, what I'll get you to do is take a seat for now, and then I'm going to call you up really soon. But you know, because you're wearing heels and stuff, I feel you. Just rest. Yeah, give her a hand.
I've had the I've had the incredible privilege over the last two weekends, not this weekend, but the one just gone and the one before that, um, to be speaking to um, many women, um, and like look right, like I'm not a f- like hardcore feminist kind of thing, right? Like I'm all for it, I'm all for the equal pay and uh, you know let's close that gender gap kind of thing, but I just draw the line with the burning bras, just. You know, I don't understand. I do, I, we need them. <laughs> like, whose idea was that? Whose? Whose idea was it to burn the bras? I think probably an A cup. <laughs> right? You don't understand? Sorry, girl, keeping mine. Anyway. But I've had the privilege, I've had, I've, it's been awesome just traveling around the country and meeting with and speaking with and praying for and having conversations and dialogue with many, many, many women around this nation. And it, it has been an utter privilege. I grew up with two older brothers and so I'm totally happy, you know, like, yeah, yeah, change my tire, please. You know, like, I can do it but why should I? <laughs> right? Oh, come on. I can do it. I know how to do it, but I don't have to. And so, you know, Beyonce, who run the world? I'm like, shush, shush. I'm really happy having guys around. I'm so happy. I'm just, yeah, I love having doors opened for me. Thank you. Can I open my own door? I sure can, but why? Why should I? Right, oh, I love it. My husband is the cook in our house. I'll tell you this, in all of our years of dating and now a year of marriage, I have never ever been served a meal from my husband that hasn't been plated to perfection. Right, I'm like, and I'm like, just, honey, just give me the food. Like, but he's like, no, and it is presented, and it's garnished, and it's like, I know. And so um, he genuinely believes that he's a better cook than me. He's not. Uh, But I am, for one, just not going to try and change that. Why should I? Um, So it's fantastic. When we have company over, Ben just says, just stay out of the kitchen. And I'm like, just give me the bottle of wine. <laughs> okay, let me hang out with the guests. And so I love that. I love that. But as I have been speaking and hanging out with different women, what I have come to realize in a very short amount of time, what I've come to realize is how much that the God of heaven really champions and endorses his daughters. I've really come to realize how much value the King of Kings. Is there a bug? Jan, oh my God, I'm getting attacked up here. It's okay, we're good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Was there, was there a bug? There was, wasn't there? Ah. So sorry. Focus. Oh, we're family, right? Like, no one's... Anyway... Um, So I have come to realize how much um, our God in heaven just champions his daughters and loves women. Is that, oh, it's my shadow. (laughs) 
just realised. Too much talk of Peter Pan. I'm afraid of my own shadow. I'll praise him. Please, can we just praise God one time? Just praise God. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going like this. It's my shadow. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but just as much as I have realized that there is a God in heaven that champions his daughters, I've also come to realize that there is a, an assignment of the enemy to annihilate them. There is an assignment of the enemy that has, has just been uh, relentless in silencing the women of God and, and, and paralyzing them and, 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 and limiting them and putting boundaries around them. And the more that I've come to see and realize and pray and speak and dialogue with many, many women, it, I am getting infuriated by it. I am frustrated that I would walk around and that the enemy would dare touch any one of the daughters of the king, would dare try and come up against us who God has called and chosen. Like I said, I am not a feminist. How, well, you know, I am, right? But, but I am not I, I, I am one who says as soon as the, I can recognize and see that there is an assignment to annihilate or to keep down or push down the women or men or children or young people, I'm quick to respond, right? That's why I've been in youth ministry for so long because there is an obvious assignment of the enemy on our teenagers and I am not gonna be someone who stands and just talks about it. I wanna do something about it and I wanna to ask the God of heaven, come on, what is my response? And for too long, there has been, there's been a job, there's been a task, there's been a mission from heaven for us girls to take hold of, but we've been taking hold of the wrong words. We've been taking hold of the wrong definitions, that there is, there is a definition out there, there is actually a bug now but it's just a little one. So there is actually, there's definitions that we take on as women that have limited us, but it's never what God designed for us. It's never what God designed for the women of God. And so I've come, I've been like, God, come on. Why? Why is it? Why is it that there's such an oppression? Why is it that there is such a suppression of the women of God around this nation? Why is the attack so volatile? Why is it so fierce? Why are so many women coming under it? Oh God, what is going on? And so God spoke to me this message and it's my privilege to speak it today. And I pray that at the same time that God does healing in your hearts this morning, that He will also bring an empowerment of heaven so that you understand and take hold the role and the definition that God has actually given us as the daughters of the Most High King. So are you ready? I'm ready. And so here's the deal. When there's this one time in the Bible that we read and in this one time in the Bible, we see that there is a whole nation that has been enslaved, right? A whole nation has been enslaved and the nation, the people of God, they are crying out, God, would you free us? God, where are you? And often when we think of this journey of who the Israelites, good, you can talk to me, it's fine. 
there's this journey where the Israelites go from Egypt into freedom. And often when we think of that story, we think of main characters like Moses, like Joshua. But when I read that story, and when I read it recently, I began to realize actually the deliverance of a nation first came from women. The deliverance, are you hearing me? The deliverance of a nation. When the people of God were crying out, God first positioned women. The first two chapters of Exodus, it mentions women. When the people of God cry out for freedom, God says, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna position my daughters. I'm gonna position my daughters. I'm gonna position my daughters. And they are gonna be the ones to prepare the way for freedom. I see some of you are looking at me like, girl, you crazy. Turn to Exodus and chapter one. When God moved a whole nation from slavery to freedom, the way was prepared for by women. And verse eight, eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, The people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing. We must make a plan to keep them from growing. If we don't, if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. They will escape from, and then they will escape from the country. We're gonna slip down to verse 15. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order. So first he says, we're gonna enslave them. And after that didn't work, He says, we're going to do something else. In verse 15, he says, the king of Egypt gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. Can we just pause for a minute just on that scripture? First of all, when the enemy wants to do something, to keep down, suppress, oppress a whole nation, there are two things he does. One, he enslaves them. And two, he then goes to sabotage or abort their future. Right? First, enslave them so they cannot fight. And then abort or sabotage their future so they will never be able to fight for anything ever again. And we've got to be aware We've got to be aware. We cannot be women who are just blindly walking through life. We've got to understand there is an assignment of the enemy and it is that he would like to enslave you and he would like to ensure that you do not dream of, even think of having a future. So then the Pharaoh, he says, I, okay, my first plan, slavery, it's working, but kind of not much. What I'm going to do is even the enemy goes And he approaches who? The midwives. Even the enemy knew how powerful women were. Even the enemy knew, if I'm gonna keep a nation down, I have to go through the women. Even the enemy king knew that. Can we also talk about the fact that the Hebrew midwives were named? Who were they? Midwives. But they were named, Shifra and Pua. The king, the Pharaoh, not even named. We don't know his name, just king. 
We've got to understand this is a historical book written from a culture of a patriarchal society and women's names, they need not be named. However, the King of Kings, even in that culture, supersedes it and says, I don't care what man's culture says, my daughters are important. Over here, we see that he names the daughters, he names the women, and he doesn't name the enemy. That should, that should tell us straight away, there is an endorsement of women right there and an indictment on the enemy. When my girls are involved, you won't even have, you won't even have the dignity of being named. Any enemy that might wanna come against you? Oh, no, no, no. When my girls are involved, you don't even get the dignity of being named. I don't care who you are, enemy. But when my girls are involved, they are my most important. So the enemy comes, the king comes, the enemy king, and he says, it's these midwives, these midwives, they are the key. He says, when you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. Verse 17, hey. But because the midwives feared God, because they feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders and they allowed the boys to live too. Who are these midwives? <laughs> Who are they? I want to know these girls. Because they were like, yes, Pharaoh, sure, Pharaoh, whatever you like, Pharaoh. And then they were like, not? <laughs> Crazy? Oh, my gosh. I don't have any children, but I did some research on midwives. Um, so here's what midwives do. They guard and they guide life. They mediate and oversee the coming of new life. They coach women through the pain of labor, ensuring life is birthed safely. And midwives engage instincts as well as knowledge and skill. In Jesus' name, that the Word of God says that the spirit of what it is to be a midwife is important for the delivery of a nation for the delivery of a nation. Sure, Moses delivered the Israelites, but it was his mother who delivered him and it was the midwives who allowed the delivery to take place. God prepared Moses' actions by who? The women. It was the women who said, oh no, you have crossed the line now. Oh, you didn't know enemy who you were messing with. Did you know I'm a daughter of the King of Kings? Oh, you didn't know I could fight. Oh, you didn't know I could turn up on a Saturday. Oh, you didn't know I could praise even when I don't understand what's going on. Oh, you didn't know that I got to worship in my spirit. That means I know how to access the King of Kings, but sure thing, whatever you like. And so they go away and they ensure that any time there was a woman who was pregnant with new life, it was now their job. It's my job to make sure this girl gives birth. You know, one thing that really annoys me about New Zealand sometimes is this DIY attitude, do it yourself. And I think as women, we need to cut that out. Cut it out. As if that's a badge of honour that we just do things ourselves. Who told you how to live like that? I know it wasn't God. Because at the beginning of time when Adam was doing it himself, God said, that is not good for you to be alone. I'm going to create what? A woman. That's not good. Oh, you need a woman. That's not good. 
I mean, you're great. It's not good. You're just on your own. I'm going to create a woman because a woman knows how to bring things together. A woman knows how to bring through new life. A woman knows that even though there's pain, we're going to make sure new life comes. In Jesus' name, I think the spirit of the midwife needs to rise. I think we need to look up. And in Jesus' name, some of you women, you've been around for a long time. You've been in the faith for a long time. And I pray that the spirit of the midwife would rise up within you, that when you would look next to you and you would see someone pregnant with the spirit of God, someone pregnant with a new idea, new faith, new initiative, and they want to birth something, that you would walk alongside them and say, honey, I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to pray in the Spirit. Oh, I'll teach you how to worship. I'll teach you how to make sure that when you speak, heaven shifts. But honey, I'll teach you how to deliver because too many times this is what I hear. Oh, it's a little bit too hard. Wait, wait, this line. I just don't have peace about it. (laughs) I get it, right? It's important. It's important. He is the prince of peace. It's important that we operate from a place of peace. But you tell me what's peaceful about labor. (laughs) Nothing! You tell me what's peaceful about birthing something. Absolutely nothing. And too many times dreams have been aborted because it got too hard and there wasn't a midwife to say, I'll hold your hand. I'll show you how to walk through it. I'll champion you. I'll get alongside you. Come on, we cannot. We cannot do this life in silos. We've got to stop because it is the assignment of the enemy to say, you have to do it on your own. It is the assignment, right? Like we might see someone from afar going through something. Oh, did you hear about her? Yeah. Oh, she's going through a tough time. Yeah, yeah. I've been praying for her. Awesome. And then perhaps you might say or say something like, oh, well, if she didn't know how to praise, she's going to learn now. Well, if you, oh, mate. Oh, that's, she's got to go on that journey. I pray that the spirit of the midwife would arise. Who would say, oh honey, I can't do it for you. I cannot do it for you. I cannot do it for you, but I can do it with you. I cannot do it for you, but I can do it with you. Do you know how much loneliness, how much rejection, how much hurt, how much isolation would be cured if we just did it together? If we just walked together, if we were brave enough just to hold someone's hand, come on, would you tap the person next to you and would you say, let's do it together. I know it'll be awkward if you don't know them. They'll be, yeah, yeah. Or some of you are like, I'm not a touch person. Don't make me touch someone. Right? But I think it's so important. Here Here is one midwife quote that I like. She was talking about her job and how much she loved it. And she says, when a woman is giving birth, she is at her most vulnerable. And when we are at our most vulnerable, we all need someone who isn't afraid. I love that, that a midwife would engage instinct and would see, oh, this girl, she's at her most vulnerable. And when, when women are just trying something new, birthing something new, stepping into a new season or a new realm, that we wouldn't just stand aside and say, well, learn it yourself. 
but we would come alongside. Come on, that's the word of God. That's the word of God. Um, Wendy, girl, I know you type in, but can you please, thank you. I, I just send you my notes, don't worry. Just give me your email, I'll send it to you. She's so good, she's serving. But right now, I just believe that there is a loneliness that women have been walking through life with, that the Spirit of God this morning would just want to say, that's not the way it was meant to be. There are some of you women who have walked in faith and you've actually had to do things alone. You've actually had to because there was no one or there, there was no one around you, but it's actually planted a seed in you that has said, this is the way you're supposed to do life. This is the way you are forever going to do life, pushing through on your own. But right now, I just believe the Spirit of God wants to bring healing. You know, scientists have done studies on loneliness. Do you know loneliness increases the chances of an early death by 14%? Chronic loneliness. It's a real thing. And right now, I just wanna pray. I wanna pray for women who have had to go through situations and just be alone. And right now the Spirit of God wants to correct that paradigm and realign that paradigm and say, you were never meant to. And it hurts us a lot because we were actually made to be with. We were created and designed to be with. We were created to be companion. But right now it's too much. The loneliness. You may be surrounded with people but that doesn't stop the ache of loneliness. That just kind of niggles. And when you wanna to go to start something new, I'm gonna to have to go at it alone. So right now, if that's you, I want you to do something super brave. And what I want you to do in this moment is just stand to your feet. And I wanna pray. I wanna stand with you and pray with you because I want to declare you're not alone. I want to say to your spirit, you're not alone. You don't have to do it alone. You were never meant to do it alone. So if that's you, come on, just respond and just stand. It's okay, we're all family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. That a paradigm would shift right now that the embrace of heaven would come. Girls who are around these women, I don't want you to stand, but I just want you to touch just the women who are standing around, just a touch that by faith would say, you're not alone and I'm with you. Oh, I pray, I pray for every woman standing. Would you just lift your hands just a little bit, just to Jesus. Would you just lift your hands? Oh, I pray, Emmanuel, God with us, that Emmanuel would come and would embrace and would erase the loneliness right now in Jesus' name, that the lie of loneliness, we both
bind it now in Jesus' Name. And we rebuke it now. And to every woman who has had to walk a bit of the road, a bit of the journey on her own, we declare, Father, right now, that there would be a divine companionship that would come. That even now, oh, God's going to redeem some of that, some of that path that you've had to walk alone. And in this week, He's going to show you and take you back to those moments. But He's going to show you those moments from His perspective. And He's going to speak to you and redeem those moments and redeem those parts of the journey. And He's going to show you from His perspective. You were never alone. You were never alone. Even if other people weren't there, He was with you. And there was an army of angels around you. And He knew what was going on. And He never left you alone. And He was never one to forsake you. So right now, every space of loneliness right now in Jesus' Name, let it right now be flooded with Your Spirit. Let it be flooded with Your love. Let it be flooded with Your grace. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. And girls, you can take your seat. Thank you, Jesus. Man, I really sense God's just gonna redeem those moments where you will remember. You will remember those moments where you've had to walk alone. But God's gonna show you and open your eyes from His perspective. And He's gonna show you you were never alone in Jesus' Name. Girls, can we make sure in this region, no one does it alone? Noah, make it your business. Make it your business. Come on, girls who are in the faith and who have been walking in the faith, who can see when there's a girl struggling or pregnant with something new. Would you walk alongside them and say, girl, I see something on your life. You need to stick with me because I've had me some babies. And oh my gosh, I've had me some babies. I've had some miracle babies. I've had some healing babies. I've had some financial breakthrough babies. And I'm gonna teach you now that you can't eat like that anymore. You're pregnant with the Spirit of God. You can't eat on the junk food of insecurity. You can't eat on the junk food of fear. You've gotta feed on the Word of God. And I'll show you how. Come on, that's what midwives do. Midwives say, oh, oh. I think your baby's in trouble. Come on, you gotta go into intensive care now. I'll teach you how to fast. Oh, I'll teach you how to pray. I'll teach you how to walk through the wilderness, but know that the Spirit of God is with you. Thank you, Jesus. We gotta carry on because there's so much more to go. As I said, there were many women, but I pray the spirit of the midwife would begin to arise. And in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 1, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant, praise God, and she gave birth to a son and she, she saw that he was a special baby. I'm pretty sure all mamas do that, right? Oh, my baby. Oh, your baby's so cute. Mine's cuter. Oh, what a darling. Oh, mine's just so much cuter. I love that. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. We've got to understand the context now because the midwives, they disobeyed Pharaoh. Pharaoh gave another order and said, any male that is now born, we're going to throw that baby into the Nile River. So when these, this man and this woman got together, this mother, this mother, this mother, 
She hid her son for three months and when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the Nile River. We've got to understand that midwives were critical. The spirit of the midwife was critical in the deliverance of a nation. And that's why the enemy would want to ensure that you think you're meant to do it alone. Because as long as you think that, there are so many dreams that are gonna be aborted. There is, there's so much of your future that you will just never be able to carry through to completion because you can't do it alone. But then we see Moses, this baby was born. And although he was allowed to be born, he was still born in a world that was cursed. So midwives, the spirit of the midwife, they allowed for new life. But now the spirit of the mother needed to kick into gear. The spirit of the mother that would say, I've got something special here. I've birthed something new here. I'm not gonna allow anything. There's something special about this baby. Do you know what? This is what my mama says to me all the time. My mama says, Esther, Esther, you prepare according to your level of expectation. She would tell me that through university, mainly around study time. She would say, do you expect to pass or fail? Because the way you're living life, Esther, your expectation is that you're gonna fail. And you prepare according to what you expect. So Esther, if you wanna pass, if you have an expectation to pass, oh honey, you better prepare like you're gonna pass. And I love that this mother had a faith. Come on, Hebrews 11, 23. It was attributed to her and her husband that it was by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith she hid her son. By faith, she made something that her son, that the special thing, the special life might be able to live in a cursed world by faith, by faith, by faith. It said by faith they were able it said, it said in Hebrews eleven twenty three, it was by faith that they were not afraid and they were able to defy the Pharaoh by faith, by faith. We need now the spirit of the mother to arise that is not controlling, but of the spirit of the mother that carries faith, that prepares, that prepares in the craziest way for this new life to ensure that it continues to have life. In Jesus' Name, the spirit of the mother, she saw that there was something different. She saw and she acted. She saw and she acted. Come on, let's not see and then put up a Facebook post about it. That's fantastic. But let's see and then act. Let's see and not just act. Oh, can you imagine? She has this baby. And then for three months, she's nursing this baby. And then at three months, this baby's three months. She says it's time to let him go. Can you imagine her holding this child? Can you imagine her hiding this child when perhaps Pharaoh's soldiers would walk past her house? baby and then at three months not three years three months by the Spirit of God by faith it's time and I'm not just gonna let go a Hail Mary shot with three seconds left to go on the clock I'm not just gonna see what happens I'll just see what happens no by faith by faith she prepares something 
she releases this baby. By faith, she could see and so she created. But fear would blind us. Our expectation relies heavily on what we see. And I think secondly, there are women here and dreams have been abandoned, not because they weren't God-given, but because life happened perhaps and you can no longer see. But the Word of God says that faith is what? The substance of our hope. It is the evidence of that which we cannot yet see. I love that this mother held this baby as she says, oh man, I sense there's something different. And though this dream is small, this baby is small, I wonder. I'm gonna bring substance and evidence to what I can't yet see, but I can see and sense in my spirit. Come on, we need brave women. We have brave women. But brave women who would say, oh, I see. Right now, I just believe God wants to cause some of you to dream again, to dream again. If that's you, if every woman could just close your eyes, close your eyes. And if you're sitting here today and you're like, oh man, it's been hard for me to see. It's been hard for me to dream. Look, it's not because you don't have a great imagination, but I actually sense that there has been an assignment of the enemy that would stop you from dreaming and from seeing beyond your current circumstance. Because if you are to see, you'll begin to create. You'll begin to activate in Jesus' Name. You'll begin to initiate. And right now the enemy is scared of your activation. He is scared of your initiation. And so he wants you to be blind. But right now that I I just know the Spirit of God wants to open up your imagination so you can dream again. If that's you and you're saying, yeah, I need a dream. Oh, I haven't been dreaming. I've been hopeless. I've been dreamless. I've been visionless. But right now I wanna dream again. Would you lift your hands? And I'm gonna pray that, that tonight, tonight, today, as you have conversations, Our dreams are gonna drop into your spirit. You're gonna see in living colour. You're gonna see with clarity a dream. So compelling is gonna wake you up in the morning. So wild is gonna empower you to delve deeper into the Word of God. So incredible that you are gonna be a different person. You're not gonna get sick like you used to get sick because your body is gonna say, I'm carrying a dream. My immune system in the spirit is stronger because I've got a dream. So Father, right now I pray in Jesus' Name where there is a spiritual blindness, blindness, I declare vision in the Name of Jesus. I declare a divine faith, a divine sight would come in Jesus' Name, see. In Jesus' Name, open your eyes and see the landscape of the Spirit. See what is ahead of you. Wide open spaces. There's so much room. Oh, some of you have been feeling claustrophobic because you haven't been able to see past your current circumstance right now. Oh, God is gonna take you above. Come on, just allow Him. Allow Him now to drop the dream. Say, God, I receive the dream. I receive the vision. I wanna see. I wanna see. 
Lastly, I'm not gonna read it for time's sake, but I'm gonna trust that you love your Word and you're gonna read it later. And it's Exodus in chapter two, verses four to 10, the final women. You gotta understand, we've just seen many women be the introduction for the deliverance of a nation. Oh, God believes in His daughters. God believes in His daughters. And now we have one final woman and I'm just gonna read. It was the baby's little sister. Oh, not big sister, big sister. And we know her name is Miriam. She stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. And Moses, as he's in this basket and he's traveling along the Nile, right? The Nile, the Nile that was meant to kill him, but the Nile that literally sent the answer to the Pharaoh, sent the answer of the Israelites to the Pharaoh. So Moses travels along the Nile and then the Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses and says, oh my goodness, there's a baby and her heart gets caught and she wants to have this baby. And Miriam, this little girl, Jewish tradition says she was between, between 10 and 12. And she's just walking along the river. Oh, what's going to happen to Moses? What's happening? And it says this in verse 7. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Who was this girl? Who was this 10 to 12-year-old girl that just approaches the princess? Jewish tradition also says that this girl was not silly that this girl knew the social hierarchy of the day. She knew the prophecies of her people. She knew, she knew that her people were enslaved. She knew all of that, but she approached the princess. Oh, the boldness of this girl. She approached the princess and she's like, hey princess, girl, I've got an answer for you. See this baby? I'll go and get a wet nurse to take care of this baby because you can't do that right now. And the Pharaoh's, okay, that was Esther's version. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. And so the, the Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, please go and get a witness. So Miriam's like, I'm so gonna be the favourite daughter right now. I am gonna be the favourite. So she runs home to her mom and she says, Mama, guess what? You get to go and nurse your son. And even better, the princess is gonna pay you. Imagine, imagine the blessing of a mother of faith that prepares something according to her expectation. Oh, God releases the resource and says, your hope, your dream will not die. And so she goes and she's nursing this baby. I love Miriam. Do you know what Miriam should have been doing according to Jewish tradition? What she should have been doing is she should have been helping her mama at home. Her mum was distressed just let go of her three-month-old baby into the Nile, just did not know what was gonna happen to him. But Miriam, no, she's not there. She's running along the riverbanks. And then when the princess is there, this bold girl opens her mouth and says, hey, I've got an answer. In Jesus' name, we need Miriams. We need Miriams. I love this Miriam. And do you know what? It doesn't surprise me, why? Because this Miriam grew up in a world where that's just what women do. Why? She was taught by her mother. No, no one tells me how to look after my baby. No, I walk according to the Spirit of God. She was surrounded by a group of women who say no. No, okay, this is what culture might tell me to do, but you don't define me. That's just women. Women, we just have answers. We're that good. We just have answers. 
This is the importance of midwives and mothers because without midwives and mothers, we do not have Miriams with voices. If you're wondering why our younger ones aren't able to articulate the Spirit of God, it's really important that we understand the role of a mother and a midwife to help them do it. Because that's where Miriam learned it. Our young ones, our young ones who are able to say, hey, I got the answer. Our young ones, I have a six-year-old niece. Um, and we have labelled her, okay, this is really, really bad. Please, you have to love me because you're Christians. It's really, really bad. But we, <laughs> me and my, my brother, we just quietly, we don't actually say it to her face, but we quietly called her the dream crusher. Because she's six years old. But she is part of a family. She's surrounded by women, me and my mother, who are full of faith. And so when it comes talking about Christmas time, talking about Santa Claus, talking about the Easter Bunny, talking about the Tooth Fairy, we make sure as women that she knows the difference between fantasy and faith. We're not here to crush dreams, but we say, Caden, we sit her down, we say, Caden, Christmas is about Jesus. And we begin to tell her the difference because we don't want her identifying fantasy as faith before she puts Jesus in the box of the Tooth Fairy. Right? So this is just what we do. And we say, oh, we're going to give you presents. We're going to celebrate, you know, Santa. You can go take photos with Santa, you know, all of that. But Christmas is about Jesus. Right? So she goes to school. No, she goes to Sunday school, right? <laughs> and one of her Sunday school friends ran up to the Sunday school teacher and said, look, my tooth came out. And the Sunday school teacher, who is my mum, says, oh, the tooth fairy, did the tooth fairy come and visit you? All of a sudden, she heard my niece bellow from the other side of the room. Martin, who's the kid who just lost his tooth. Martin, there's no such thing as the tooth fairy. The tooth fairy doesn't exist, dream crusher. The tooth fairy doesn't exist, Martin. That's just your mum putting money under your pillow. The only thing that exists is Jesus. This is my six-year-old niece. Worse than that, she goes to school and it's Christmas time and people talking about Christmas and Santa and my niece gathers a group of people around her. They start talking about Santa. Guys, guys, Santa is not real. Dream crusher, you know? And the kids are like, what are you even talking about? Don't worry, no kids went home, you know, scarred for life but I'm sure they went home with questions because she finished the sentence with, my bumboo, that's how you say grandma in Fijian. My bumboo says that Christmas is about Jesus. So it's really great to get presents, but Christmas is about Jesus being born. She is six. You know, and I'm like, Jesse, you need to control your child. <laughs> I'm like, this girl. And my brother said to me, well, who taught her that? And I'm like, you blame our mum. Like, oh my gosh. It's so funny, but I, I, you know, she is boisterous and she is confident and she might cross the line and we might talk about what is politically correct and what isn't, but I don't actually care. I don't care that much because she's a six-year-old girl who says, I know Jesus. And I'm surrounded by women who know Jesus. And that gives me confidence. And other people might be different, but it's gonna be my mission to at least tell them. 
we've got to teach her some tact, but it's fine. In Jesus' name, I pray that we would have voices again. Voices that like Miriam, that would walk into into our workspace and say, are you not well? Hey, look, I'll go grab you some Panadol and some water, but would you let me pray for you? I'm not the answer, but I have one. That we would walk into financial situations, that we would be able to hear and see people crying and just know, hey, I've got a word for you. Hey, I just wanna encourage you. In Jesus' Name, I have gone seven minutes over time. And right now, I just just want to finish by praying. But what I want to do is release, as I said in the earlier session, in Jesus' Name, release an unreservedness of speech. I'm going to pray that in conversations, you won't be able to hold back your tongue. That the Spirit, of that Miriam who sees an opportunity, but it's not an opportunity because you have the Spirit of God. It is now an obligation. It's now an obligation to say, hey, this, 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 this is not just an entry point for disappointment, right? Hope, but it's an entry point for faith. And that's the scary thing. But I pray your tongue will be loosened in the name of Jesus. And I pray, oh, I'm just gonna tell you one more story. Just one more story. Because I think it's a testimony that came from this church. I, I, was, I was at a conference and someone ran up to me from this church. Um, Ashley ran up. Esther, I've got a story for you. And he tells me the story. There's this kid that went to this camp and you were speaking at this camp and you were talking about how God heals scars and heals miracles. So this kid was like, wow, that's awesome. And then he went to school after this Easter camp. And while he was in school, there was a kid who had been self-harming and cutting. And he was like, oh man, I was at this camp and I heard this chick speak about God who heals. And so I know what we're supposed to do. I'm supposed to pray and you're supposed to be healed. Teenager. So he's like, okay. So he puts his hand on this kid's scars and he prays in Jesus' Name, be healed. And then removed his hand and just watched. (laughs) But get this, and the scars were gone. I really can't take any credit for that. I can take no credit for that. But that's what happens when your tongue is loosened. Oh man, so I was at this conference and then I was at well, we just gotta pray. Let's pray. I was at this conference. I don't know the answer, but I know how to pray. Let's pray. I'll teach you how. I don't know the answer, but I got the Word of God. Let's open it up. It's really good. In Jesus' Name, would you stand? I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray that your tongues would be loosened. Oh, to your, your husband's delight that your tongues would be loosened in the Name of Jesus. Not, I I pray it would be loosened not to complain, but it would be loosened not to have a dialogue from 52 different angles of a particular issue, but your tongue would be loosened in faith and say, hey husband, I have the answer. It's really good. And we are about to get paid. 
because that's what happens. Come on, lift your hands. Father, I pray. Oh, do you know what? I pray the spirit of joy, joy, joy to be released in the Name of Jesus. That where there is weakness, oh, joy would begin to bubble up in your spirits. That you would begin to understand the truth of the statement. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And as joy bubbles up, I pray tongues be loosened in the Name of Jesus that it would be loosened from the prison of complacency and complaining and it would be loosened to begin to praise and to begin to bring answers by faith and to begin to prophesy and to release blessing and breakthrough in Jesus' Name. Oh, loosen those tongues, Father. Loosen the tongues of doubt. And I pray that it would bring hope, God, and life and light into situations. I pray that there would be an unreservedness in speech, not just any kind of speech, speech, but heaven's speech with heaven's accent, God, that would bust through impossible situations in Jesus' Name, that these women would understand on a whole new level, the answer is within them and within them is the King of Kings. In Jesus' Name, can everyone say Amen? And can you praise Him one time? Awesome. Give Easter a hand. Now, we are uh, going to have lunch now, uh, but we have uh, an amazing team of people, uh, beautiful ladies who are here to pray with anybody who would like prayer. So if that is you, I, what I want you to do is I want you to come to the front straight away and um, there is an item of food. There's, a, there's several items of food. Make sure that you, if you go out to lunch, that you only eat one of each item because I don't want anyone to miss out on, on their food or the prayer team. So um, if you want prayer, please come up the front if I can get the, the prayer team to just be here along the front and available for, to pray. Uh, Pamper option, you've signed up for that. That's great. There is in here at 10 past 1. 10 past 1, you can um, queue up there for your position, your place, your seat. Enjoy that, ladies. And make sure you say a big thank you to the volunteers who are pampering uh, you today. And the Daughters of the King, you get to text in by 1 o'clock. You only have a little bit longer to text.